You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, and today my guest is Coach Joe White. Coach White is currently an assistant coach for both the baseball and football teams of Thunder Ridge High School in Colorado. He was actually one of the original planning committee members for the high school when it was founded, and he started the baseball program from scratch, where he was the head coach for over 20 years and has won multiple state championships. He's a teacher in the school as well and is an active member on multiple boards and committees. Coach White has years and years of wisdom, and I can't wait for you all to hear what he has to say. Today, we talk about the Leadership Council at Thunder Ridge Athletics, the importance of focusing on the long-term goals of athletics, the challenges of leading and coaching in today's specialized and individualized sports environment, and some really great ways to empower team captains and leaders, especially at the high school level. And also be on the lookout for his new book that should be hitting Amazon soon. He mentions it at the end of the show, and it will be called The Three Ps or something along those lines. So without further delay, please enjoy the conversation with Coach Joe White on the Captain's Coach Podcast. Good morning, Coach. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Luke. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have coaches from different backgrounds, and, and obviously you at Thunder Ridge out being one of the original planning committee members out there and then your experiences as the head baseball coach and the team for years and years you definitely have a vast library of leadership experiences and, and leadership knowledge that I'm really excited for the listeners to to get a piece of and I think uh, maybe the, a good starting point for us would be what are some of the the values and principles that you have preached and stressed either as a member of that planning committee and what went into Thunder Ridge or your time as a, as a coach and part of the coaching staffs for the baseball and football. Um, you, what we're based on, we're, you know, I always wanted us to be based on where our kids were going to be 10, 15, 20 years from when they left us. Um, I always looked at the, um, the success of our program on that, you know, um, where our, where our kids, good husbands and fathers and, and sons and daughters and, and those kind of things. So when we built um, Thunder Ridge and we came up with the planning idea, what we wanted to do for Thunder Ridge, it was kind of based off of that. Um, we also wanted it to be our own um, special community, school community, when we're talking about the school itself. Uh, it was a unique situation because when we started, we just had freshmen. And uh, so all we had was ninth grade. We had 250 kids. And the very first thing we did the first day of school was take them on a three-day retreat up into the mountains. and did uh, rock climbing and, and different different things that uh, was helped building team and camaraderie and, and building a, um, 
uh, community that cared about each other. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the idea of a retreat, especially in such a, a new situation with a very young group of, of individuals and just try to get everyone on the same page in terms of the culture you want and, and the values that you want to instill as a school, as an organization and in your athletic programs. And I think that your overarching goals when you set out, you know, your you said your your measuring stick is where are our students and, and athletes going to be 10, 15, 20 years down the road? And what are the important things that we want them to excel at? Um, not necessarily are they going to be the greatest students ever or the greatest athletes ever, but are they going to be the greatest individual human beings they can be in every other aspect of their life? So I think that's a huge piece of starting and understanding what your goals are before you even try to implement any other kind of systems or, or put some, some training into, into effect. Um, other than that initial retreat, um, and then at any other point during your career, were there any things that as a staff or an organization that you did to systematically train or develop leaders on your teams? Yeah, we, we developed some um, leadership councils and, and so forth. We had an at, an athletic leadership council where coaches would pick different um, players out of their programs to be in this leadership council on how we wanted um, our athletes to be. Um, what, one of the things we tried not to do was make each individual program um, – we, we gave them the, the chance to be an individual program underneath – our athletic program. So for example, I would never make a, a sticker um, that said Thunder Ridge baseball on it. It was always Thunder Ridge athletics because we wanted our athletes to support each other and support the other students in our school, go to band concerts, go to plays, go to all those different things so that our athletes understood what it was um, to lead people, not just in their sport, but lead people in their school uh, into doing the right things, um, to having character and, and supporting each other, not just supporting themselves. Yeah. And that's a great, uh, a great mindset to have inside of, of an entire program, instead of focusing on the individual teams, the entire school and the entire department. Yes. So, and, and the leadership councils have come up multiple times with previous guests and, there's different ways they've set it up. So how, what did that, that leadership council or, or the multiple leadership councils look like in terms of how they were organized and, and how often they met and what kind of their goals and their desired outcomes were in terms of meetings or strategic decisions or anything like that? Well, really, it was, it was based on, off our athletic director. And our athletic director would have each one of our head coaches um, nominate people from their from their programs and they would come together and they would have meetings and basically during the meetings what was talked about was how each one of the those people and their people in their programs could support each other could support other programs um, could support the kids in the band could support the kids in, who are doing plays or choir concerts or uh, you know, some of the sports that didn't get a lot of people coming to their events, like the swimming right. team and, and those things. And it was all based on us supporting each other, 
Um, and that's really what the core values of it was, was trying to help people understand because this today's day and age, um, it's really gotten to be an individualistic society in, in a lot of ways. And, and what we were trying to, the core values of it was to look beyond themselves and realize how great a feeling it is to go out and support someone else besides just your team or, or just the teams that get the most support, like the football team or, right. or, or whatever. So that's kind of really what the big gist of it was. And it really has been successful in, in, in working in, in developing an entire school population and culture of our school. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I can't imagine that's an easy, an easy task to accomplish getting every sports team, their coaches and their athletes as well, buying into that mentality. And like you said, especially for some of the larger sports teams that get a lot of the attention, it's pretty easy for, for a football coach at a successful school with an ex- a successful athletics department to kind of shrug off you know, maybe looking out for those other programs, like you mentioned. So what were some of the things that you think you all did successfully or, or what systems did you put in place to kind of create that buy-in and what do you do with the students and the athletes? Is it just a, a perpetual message that you put forth? Is it, is it something that's just so deeply ingrained in the school's culture uh, that you guys were successful in the onset of, of, of creating. Um, I, I, I just see that as something that most schools would struggle today. Like you said, it being a more and more individualized society and athletes becoming more and more specialized to one sport. I'm just curious on, on where you think you all did good things that, that has led to the successful culture you have. I'll be honest with you. I think when we first started uh, 23 years ago, 24 years ago, it was based on, first of all, the adults in the situation, right? I, I think the adults in the situation need to support each other. And then that will trickle down into your, into the kids. If I don't support the swimming coach or the swimming coach doesn't support me or vice, you know, that's where it starts. Um, the adults in the situation is where it starts and that trickles down. If kids seeing us support each other, then they're more apt to, to get it and understand this is what we're, we're dealing with. That sets the culture. Um, too many times now programs are getting too, um, too territorial. I want to say, uh-huh. because you know what you said about with the, the one sport athletes now the specializing and, and coaches are getting uh, just, too protective of just their their sport and um it's not a, it's not about winning state championships it's about supporting each other teaching kids to not be uh, selfish to be selfless and to support each other and if you build those things and you build that support system within your school the wins are going to come because when that support from other programs comes, it, it helps your kids perform out there. But I think when you ask that question, I think it all starts from the top. It, stops, it starts from the top leader of your school. We had a great principal, Jim Wallendorf, and a great athletic director. And we all knew what this was about. It was about supporting each other, caring for each other, empathizing with each other. And that trickled down into our, into our kids. And if you don't have that system in place with the adults in this system, it's not going to trickle down to your kids. 
Yeah, and that's that's a great point, and I'm glad you kind of led us to that point with it starting with the the adults in the situation, the coaches and the the leaders of the athletic department and those programs. Because you know, one of the our, our core tenets, actually our first tenant at the the captain's coach is that everything rises and falls with leadership. And usually we use that as a, as a point to the captains of sports teams, but obviously that transcends to all levels, especially when you're dealing with, with an, uh, people who are inherently have a, a leadership and a, an authority role with adults in a, in a school. I think that's the biggest thing. And sometimes coaches pay lip service to the idea of supporting other programs. But like you said, if, if you as a coach don't interact with another program's coach, the chances of your players just going to do it on their own is slim to none if they don't already have some built-in friendships between those teams. But if your players see you on a constant basis, you know, you're, you're taking the practice field right after another program and you see your coach interacting with their coach, having a nice conversation, you know, it's just going to trickle down and some of the players are going to start talking. And then, you know, like you said, you're going to start getting more and more people at your competitions, at your games, at your matches. And like you said, that really does at the end of the day, benefit the athletes more than anything. And it's only going to make your program stronger as, as a whole athletic department, you're only going to be able to grow, grow. And, and like you said, the territorial thing, it, it is just kind of interesting. You would, you would think that coaches would want to work together since you're all kind of working for the same outcome of uh, growth in these individual students and these, these, these student athletes moving forward. But sometimes they kind of act in a counterproductive way. And I think as a, as a program and how you guys set it up from the beginning and, and starting with the adults, you guys have kind of overcome that hurdle and, and putting out that message. So again, one of the first things we said with, it's always best to start with what are your, your overarching goals? What are your long-term goals and setting up a plan and, and a culture that aligns with those goals. And it sounds like that's exactly what you, you have done at Thunder Ridge and it, and it sounds like it's been very successful. And, and even though you say, you know, it's not about the state championships, obviously you've been a part of multiple championships teams during your time there. Um, so it just goes to show those things come second. They're, they're secondary to all the other things you're trying to, to accomplish throughout your time. Yeah. They're a byproduct. Um, they're right. a byproduct of what you're trying to do. And, you know, just to add one more thing to that, it's, um, as the adult in the situation, as the coach, I want to learn from other coaches. I want to be a lifelong learner. I want to, you know, I don't know it all. So the more rapport and the more interaction I have with other coaches, the better off I'm going to be because then right. I can learn and I can, you know, instill some of that stuff into my kids. I'm not going to, you know, be so um, controlling that I think I'm the only one who has it, has the answers. And I would go in and watch some of our other coaches. I would just go in and watch their practices and just and go up and talk to them and, and, and things like that just because I wanted to show them that I'm there to support you, but I'm also there to learn from you. I, you know, I, 
it's a great learning experience. And in, in, in when you don't collaborate with other coaches, especially in your building, um, you're losing out. And, and all coaches have s- similar problems, sim- similar difficulties, and similar things that are great. And uh, we can all support each other, help each other. It's, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you're never going to have all the answers. But no. in sports, you're going to deal with so many of the same problems, you know, problems with the student athletes, problems with the athletic department, problems with your, your sports conference or your region, um, problems with a poor performance or, or how to maintain strong performance. But the chances are there's at least one other coach in your program or, or one of the program directors that has encountered that problem before. And like you said, out of your way to find these people and to, to support them in other ways, the chances of you missing out on getting that easy answer is extremely high. And I don't think you can afford to ignore other people's experiences when you are so closely linked, uh, you know, geographically as well as just through athletics. And I think that the, the leadership councils you have is such a great way for an athletic department to kind of share that knowledge not only between coaches, but between the leaders on your teams, between those student athletes, it goes, it's the the same exact principle of, Hey, what are some things, you know, especially in high school where captains, depending on their coach or, or, you know, their team's culture, they may not know what they're supposed to do as a captain, or, or maybe they didn't pay attention to the captains when they were underclassmen. And now they don't really know what they should be doing other than, leading stretches and things like that. But if they're put in a, a leadership council or a situation where they need to discuss challenges or just daily activities and how they communicate with their teammates, you know, there might be the best captain in the school is in this leadership council and he's able, he or she is able to bestow some of that experience with the other captains throughout the athletic department. Yep. It, that it, uh, Success builds success. And if, right. if, if you, um, you know, if you have some great leaders and you're sharing them with other programs to help your leaders become better, what's wrong with that? I mean, that, that's, that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, um, we're all, we're all in this together is how I look at it. And um, in the big, in the grand scheme of things, the big picture, we're all in this together because really what my job is, is, is to produce kids and help produce kids that are successful in our society so that they can become leaders in our society and, and good positive leaders in our society. Right, exactly. And, and, and that's, I think, the number one skill that I think is overlooked in sports nowadays because, like you said, everyone's getting territorial and, and focusing on the state championships or their individual program. But they're missing the number one skill that the vast majority of student athletes who aren't going to be professional athletes, the the best skill they can take with them moving into society. And and as a, as a member of society is leadership. And like you said, as a coach and as a school, your job and your ultimate goal is to create leaders in the society, in, in your neighborhood. And those are the kind of peoples that you are trying to develop and, and to keep that, in the forefront of, of your decisions and, and how you build a program and your culture 
is is ultimately the key to your success. And like you said, the the, the championships and, and the success on the on the playing field will come naturally as a byproduct. But to focus on that that piece is is of utmost importance. Yeah. And talking about you know what you all have done really successfully at Thunder Ridge, it, it kind of shows for itself. But what do you think your biggest challenge has been in terms of either the school development itself, you know, starting from scratch or, or the program development and of the, the baseball team and, and how you overcame that? Well, I, I think one of the biggest things nowadays is kind of what we've been talking a little bit about is, is the select team and travel team mentality. Um, it, it's a good thing in, in the sense that it's getting kids out there more and, and they're playing, you know, when I was growing up, I never traveled until I was in college. Mm-hmm. And these kids get to play good competition out of state and all these things, but it's also changed our game a lot, our base in, in the terms of baseball, in terms of it's really individualized the sport. Um, I tell people all the time, you know, a kid could go to a, a showcase and play in a game and go four for four and lose 22 to one, and they're happy right. because they showcase themselves. And then when we get them into our program, you know, a program that's built on team and a program built on trying to win a state championship and, and create leaders and create unselfish people, it's, that's the biggest challenge that I see now. Um, and how, how we deal with that challenge, it's, it's made us um, have to work even harder to develop that team atmosphere and that team program and, and um, the selflessness and um, learning that it's okay to feel good about when, when somebody else does well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not and to feel good for your teammates when they do well and, and feel good about working together to accomplishing goals and all those things, because uh, the adults in the situation have kind of taken that away from kids. I see a lot nowadays and, and uh, the true meaning of what it is to be a team. Um, I, I always say this, uh, Luke, I always say, when my kids are done with our, in our program and they've graduated, they're coming up to graduation and, and we're done with our season and it's their senior year. And I look back at their four years in our program, I, I would look at it as a small business owner. And I would, I always would look at those kids and say, would I hire that kid? If I was a small business person, would I hire that person to be in my business? Would I want him to work for me? And that's really kind of what I go for. Um, I want to be able to help them understand that it isn't always about just them. And when they get into a work situation someday and they're working for me as a small business owner, let's say, if I was, if I was a small business owner, would I want this guy to work for me? Is he, too, is he too selfish? Is he too individualistic? Does he not work through problems? Does he not work through adversity? And those kind of things. And um, so that's kind of how I base it. Um, I look at the problems nowadays. Of, of is it getting harder to do that? It is. I think it is because of because of the showcase stuff and the select baseball teams and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a good thing on one hand, and it's a it's it's a challenge on the other hand. Yeah, and that definitely is is a challenge across all of sports for sure. It is. Uh, and especially baseball, I'm sure has a, is inherently a little more susceptible to that kind of mentality because it, at the end of the day, when as a as a hitter, it's a one on one matchup, and you can have, like you said, a great day going four for four, and your team could get blown out, but you know you made a couple plays on defense and you 
hit extremely well and you looked good. And there's a showcase where, you know, your team doesn't really necessarily practice that much and no. you really don't care about winning a championship or anything. Cause it's just one weekend of, of games. And if you end up looking okay, that's great. But just like anything else and physical activities that become habits, mentalities and, and, and mental thought processes become habits as well. And, and those players can take those mental habits and bring them to the school year where you do have an entire season where the team is much more valuable than, than the individual. So I think that's, that's a big problem across all of sports. And, and like you said, that the select teams and the travel teams and just recruiting for college has gotten a little out of hand and it definitely has its positives, you know, players from, other areas get to be seen a little bit more and, and they play really good competition year round. But at some point as a coach, it becomes definitely, like you said, some of your biggest challenges in terms of the mindset of your athletes. But I think your, your test, I guess your, uh, your litmus test at the end of their four years, I think that's a great mindset to have. Um, and, and just kind of, the way you interact with your, your players over four years and the things and the lessons you want to instill upon them. If you always have that, that litmus test in the back of your head of, you know, would I hire this person when they graduate, you know, as you instill skills and you, and you teach lessons to your players, having that in the back of your mind is okay. Are these skills and lessons going to transcend sports and, and be actual transferable skills into the real world. You know, that always keeps, keeps you on the right path as a coach and making sure you're not overemphasizing just the athletics uh, all the time. Yeah. I, that's my focus. I, um, I can't lose my perspective. Um, yeah. I call it, I call it the P's. Um, I got to have my purpose. Um, why do I coach? Uh, what's my purpose for coaching? Uh, what's my perspective while I'm doing it? Um, why, you know, I can't lose a perspective and just look at winning and losing only. Um, that's not my perspective that I want to have. And then I don't want to lose my passion. So I call it my three P's, my purpose, my perspective, and my passion. Um, I want to have passion for the sport because the sport has done so much for me. And I want the kids to understand that the sport owes them nothing. They owe the sport something because of what baseball teaches my kids on a daily basis in terms of how it helps them with life. And my passion for that part of it um, has to, if I don't have the right perspective, I'm going to lose that passion for that and what I'm trying to teach my kids. Um, and it's such an opportunity. I tell kids all the time, you can look at things as an opportunity and obligation. Right. And I look at being a coach or a leader as the, 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 just the greatest opportunity every day to serve people and help people in, and um, get them ready for life's challenges, get them ready for life's adversities, and let them have the tools to overcome those adversities. And um, that, that's, that's really why I do it. Um, in the winning, you know, we've lost a lot of games and we've won a lot of games. We've won two state championships. Um, you know, we've been fortunate that we've had great teams. And I can say without a doubt, those teams had great leaders on them. But those teams were selfless teams that cared about each other and they had high character. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I like the three P's and just making sure that they're, they're always in balance. And so much of what leadership is, 
is finding balance between all three things. You never want to be too focused on, on one end of the spectrum and you're going to find yourself unbalanced somewhere else and you're going to lose, lose that perspective. And then you're going to lose your passion at some point because you have an imbalance somewhere. Um, yeah. And, and it's easy to do. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's extremely easy. And especially with today's challenges and everything we've talked about so far, just with mentality and culture, um, as much as you can to build in some, some inherent blocks to that imbalance, the, the better off you're going to be down the road. Um, but specifically with your, your players, and you mentioned, you know, you had some, some great leaders on some of your teams. Um, how do you select your captains? You know, Luke, what we do in, in, in football, um, on, in our football program, what we usually do is have the, the kids vote for them. Mm-hmm. Um, in baseball, what, you know, we're kind of unique in, in the sense that by the time uh, seniors are in our program, it gets whittled down. So like when those kids come in as a freshman, there's probably maybe 30 freshmen that are in our program, maybe 20 to 30. Um, Cause we're a cut sport. We have to cut, we have one field and four teams and um, I wish we could keep them all, but we can't. And that's right. the hardest for me of coaching. And by the time those kids, if they make it through the four years and become seniors in our program, there's usually anywhere from five to eight seniors left. Um, so we kind of do it a little differently. We kind of just let the seniors be our leaders. Um, mm-hmm. And do I lean on the ones that have played on the varsity team for two or three years? Yeah, I do. I lean on them. I bring them in. I talk to them. Um, I ask them questions. Um, but for me, I think the most important part for me in developing those kids and getting them to the point is empowering them to feel like they're going to have something to say. They can say it. They, they have a, a part of our program. I, sometimes I'll ask them to come in and ask what they think we need to do in practice. Um, I, if we're going through a losing streak, I bring them in. What do you think the problem is? What do you think we need to do? I need, I, you know, I'm empowering them to take over the team, to be, you know, to be the leaders of the team by bringing them in and asking them those questions. Now, sometimes that throws them off a little bit because yeah. they've never been in that position. You know, a coach asking them, "What do you think we need to do in practice today?" and let them let them have the 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 buy-in that way and make them feel more part of the team. Um, I think that's important. I'm not a control guy. Um, <clears throat> I want our kids to feel like they, they have a say and that helps them develop. If they have a say and they're making some of the decisions, not all of them, but if they're making some decisions on what we should do in practice, isn't that going to help them someday when they're in a, a job situation to be able to make decisions in a job situation someday? So it's all based on that. It's all based on, uh, again, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. I want them to be able to make decisions. I want them to empower their workers. I want them to help their workers. If they're the boss someday where they're working, I want them to empower their workers and give them a say-so and make them feel important. And uh, so that's kind of how we do it. It's a little bit different than in baseball, um, specifically selecting captains. Um, we kind of empower our seniors to be the captains. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love that model. You know, some coaches would definitely shy away from that um, because they feel like they're not specifically designating any captains or they may feel like they're, they're cheapening 
the leadership roles on their team. But I think the way that you utilize it and if it's built into your culture that way and everyone understands that and buys in, I think that's an extremely effective way, uh, especially if it is the kind of system where you said, you know, if they've made it this far, they've survived three years of cuts, uh, whether that be solely based on their skills or, or other uh, skills that they bring to the team outside of just the, the athletics. And I love that you said that you bring them in and it, and it catches them off guard almost to start off. And I think for, for athletes out there in high school, especially high school athletes, they might be a little hesitant to, to give feedback. You know, no one's ever asked them at that level what they think or what they think the team needs or, or where they think the team is struggling. And, and because you start that from the beginning and you do it constantly and frequently over time, they become more and more comfortable, like you said, in, in making decisions and, and looking now at the team in a different way. You know, they might approach practice differently if they know tomorrow you're going to ask them, hey, how, did practice, how do you think practice went yesterday? What are some things we need to work on? They're going to stop being so solely minded on their own game and start looking at everyone else around them in a different way, looking at it from a team perspective on a whole different level. And I think, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I, just to add on to that a little bit, it, it gives them a perspective of what I'm going through. Right. Right. So um, there's a lot of times where I bring them in, you know, and I'll, I'll even ask them sometimes, um, what do you think the lineup should be? And put it back not put it on them, but just, just to get their ideas. Yeah. And I'll say to them, um, you know, well, but you're not playing this kid. Well, he's, you know, he's not performing or he's not helping us right now or whatever. I'm like, well, now you know what I'm going through. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, so that teaches them. I, I think um, to me, one of the strongest word in the English language is empathy. Mm. And, we need to have empathy for our kids about where they're coming from. Um, for example, I tell, I tell young coaches all the time, they get frustrated when we go back to that part about being an individualized sports now because of all the travel teams and showcases and all that. And I have to tell coaches all the time, have some empathy with this kid because he doesn't know any better. That's what he's been brought up with. That's what the adults in his life has taught him. Um, so, you know, and I want the kids to have some empathy for me too, to understand what I'm going through as their leader sometimes mm -hmm. that we have to make some tough decisions sometimes and, and so forth. And I'm not asking them to make the decision for us, but I'm asking for their opinions. And then sometimes I'll tell them, Hey, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from there, but this is the end result. If you make that decision, then what happens? You know, if we made this decision after, you know, you, you decided that this kid shouldn't be playing because this is your lineup. Okay. So now what do we do with him? And, and, and it's more than just a kid being in the lineup. It's his psyche. It's his, you right. know, how the kid feels. It's how the kid feels part of the team. So that gives them a better understanding and gives them some empathy for, about what we're going through as coaches as, as, at the same time. We have to make tough decisions all the time. And I want the kids to understand that it, it does affect me when I make a tough decision. It does, you know, when, I, when I'm when not playing a kid, I tell this all the time. In baseball, when you make up a lineup, you make four people happy and four sets of parents happy. The five, six, seven, eight, nine hole hitters are 
little not as happy. They're playing, but they're not as happy because they all think they should be hitting one, two, three, and four. Right. So you're always making someone unhappy as a coach, right? You're always making decisions that's not going to make everyone happy. I want the kids to understand that. I want the kids to understand that it's tough on me when I'm, I'm not here to make people unhappy. And I want people to enjoy playing in our program. I want people to, just like I want people to enjoy work someday, with, you know, I want them to go to their passion, not their job. This is a passion of mine that I'm not here to make people unhappy. I want you to understand that. And I want you to understand how it does affect me when I do know people are unhappy. I have to make decisions that make people unhappy. I get that. But I want you to understand and have empathy for me a little bit too when I make those decisions that it does affect me in a negative way sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the more valuable lessons that, coaches can share with their athletes at the high school level again especially because sometimes I think high school coaches are hesitant to to empower their leaders on their teams at that age because like they're relinquishing some some power that they should ultimately control because they're only high school students and their job as a high school coach is to have complete control of the team but, but like you said, you're not doing anybody a service that way. And, and actually you're hurting your own decision-making because one, you're not getting buy-in from your leaders who are ultimately going to get the buy-in from the rest of your team. And two, you, you're hurting them by not giving them the opportunity to, to see how decisions are made and understand, hey, I'm just as unhappy about this decision as you are because of the same reasons. But understand that if I don't make this decision, then we're left with the X, Y, Z result, which also isn't going to make these people happy. And, and being able to show them that, Hey, I'm not doing this because I'm this evil tyrant coach. I'm doing this because look, we just came to the same conclusion that somebody's going to be hurt. Somebody's going to be unhappy no matter what. And because of the outcomes that we've laid out that we want to accomplish, this is going to be the best decision to get to that. And I think, like you said, it's not, it's not necessarily putting the decisions on them, but it's having them run through that thought process and, and coming those to those decisions and helping them understand why they came to that decision and why you came to your decision and, yes. and being able to, at the end of the day, come back together to say, okay, now that we've all expressed our opinions on this, we can now come to a consensus of this is what we're doing and this is why, whether or not everyone's going to be happy or not. And, and because of that whole process, they might be able to explain that to their teammates better than a coach can, because they have that, like you said, the empathy, which I, I also believe is, is one of the, the strongest traits of a leader is, is having empathy and understanding what everyone else is thinking and feeling based on any situation. So I think using your captains and your, and your leaders in that way is the best thing you can do at, at especially the high school level, is giving them empowerment beyond what you may be comfortable with. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Bullis. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.